are here for a reason. This news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff, and today we are doing the Book of Ephesians, and I'm so glad you are here. Welcome wherever you may be in the world. Uh, Today is a great day to study the Lord's Word, and today you're going to see a demonstration of the Lord's Word. That's right. The Lord gave me wisdom from on high. And not only will you hear this wisdom, but you're going to see the manifestation of this wisdom in today's show. So let me just open with a word of prayer, then I'm going to have the shofar play. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this opportunity to get together with the brethren to stand and rejoice and learn about the depth of your instruction to us by your word. And your word holds everything together, heavens and earth, Lord God. Your word is mighty. It is my distinct privilege to be able to read the word of your, uh, to read your word today, Lord. And Lord, I understand the serious nature and the responsibility of reading God's word. I steward this and I want to steward the audience, Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit will speak through us today, Lord, that the flesh will be cut off and we'll get direct revelation by your spirit. And Lord, uh, particularly today, if I say stupid stuff, I pray that it falls off of the ears of those to hear and that only the words of your Holy Spirit will manifest as instruction into people's lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, God bless every one of you. And here comes the shofar and I'll see you in about three minutes or so. You are here for a reason.
Well, thanks be to God. And uh, listen, I know some of you uh, don't like the shofar at the beginning. Some of you love it. Uh, to me, it just is a good time to pray and have rest. And I really believe that it's powerful. There's something about uh, an instrument coming from the breath that is just incredible. And I think that about brass instruments as well. And uh, there's so much good stuff. So right at the front end of this broadcast, I had mentioned to you that not only will you hear the wisdom of God, but you will see the wisdom of God demonstrated in this very broadcast, and you're going to see it in just a few seconds. Are you ready? Type something in the chat if you're ready to see the wisdom of God manifest right before your eyes. Well, because we're finishing up the chapter of Ephesians and it talks about marriage and our roles as male and female in this, I definitely had to pray for wisdom and wisdom that I would not do anything stupid or say anything stupid that would jeopardize my marriage. <laughs> so I needed the ability to cover this chapter and limit what I'm going to say. And then after considering the words of this chapter, I realized, you know what? I'm a man and I've got authority. So I exerted that authority across the body of Christ. And because of the obedience to the scripture, <laughs> Beulah has agreed to join me. <laughs> You're hilarious, Jeff. <laughs> well, I don't know where this stuff comes. Well, I probably do know where it comes from, Beulah, but <laughs> it's not a good source. This is why we pray. <laughs> Yes, thank you for having me, and shalom, everyone. <clears throat> but this is the wisdom of God manifest. I had the wisdom to get someone <laughs> to limit my capacity to speak because I say stupid stuff like I just said. That is fine. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> Looks are not everything, Dula. I... <laughs> it's good to have humor you know you, you, we cannot be too serious all the time because god is a god of joy the spirit of joy so it's it's nice you know it's good to to have fun and and laugh at things and just be yourself that's the most important uh, you know what amen and and i'm telling you god has a great sense of humor he really does and does. when you press in and get to know him intimately uh, he's a jokester, you know, he will, he mm -hmm. will have fun with you, uh, yes. never harming, of course, always yes. edifying. Uh, but he is a jokester. There's no doubt yes. about it. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he's the giver of joy. So, so definitely he, he himself is a bubble of joy. And, and really what brings more joy than laughter in life, you know, uh, there, when you have a good belly laugh and you can even cry from from laughing, yes, um, that's that's 
definitely a good thing. So why don't we get into the scripture, Beulah? And what, what we'll do is why don't I read right to, uh, I think, verse 22, and then I'll let you take over the part that we're going to cover today. All right. Sounds good. Let's roll. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you as it is proper among the saints. There must be no filthiness or foolish talk. <laughs> I guess I'm out already on this one. Or vulgar joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no sexual immoral or impure greedy person which has the amounts of to an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. See that no one deceives you with empty words for these things. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. As you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness, but instead ex even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So then be careful how you walk, not, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Father, and subject yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot, nor wrinkle, nor any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. 
for we are the members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Lord, bless Amen. the reading of your word. I want to say just before we get into the text here that if you are single and not married, these verses are also for you because you, male or female, are the bride of Christ. And I think there's a much bigger picture here of our relationship, uh, not only with each other, even in the body, but certainly in marriage and ultimately with God himself. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to start with a bit of a confession as we go into these texts. Um, and I and I don't do this on purpose, Beulah, but I, I know people look at me and even based on my appearance, people just assume I'm the king of romance. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I will tell you that uh, when I was courting with my wife, we had a three-year courtship and I proposed to her on a good Friday. And before I proposed to her, I read her these verses. Mm. And she had to agree with it. And my intention was very good. It sounds harsh, but my intention was really good because I wanted to have a biblical marriage. And I wanted her to be on the same page. And I not only read these verses, but basically every verse in the Bible that pertains to marriage so we could be on a clear footing to start out. And uh, and then in my typical fashion, after she agreed to all this, I went into the business part of being married. Okay, this is how things have to work. And, yeah, so there goes my image of being a romantic. But I, I thought there was wisdom in it. And uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about how that came out after <laughs> we read this. But so, you went in first. I mean, you went in first laying the foundation. And yeah. that is good. You know what? I want... To follow God's word at the time, you know, I'd met my wife at a, I was doing a Bible study and she had come into the Bible study and, you know, I pursued her for three years and, uh, you know, I've, all, I've always, even in my young and wild days, I always wanted to be married. That's the truth. I've always desired to be married. And, you know, even before I knew the Lord, I wanted to do a marriage right when I did it. And then when you find out about the power of the word of God, uh, I wanted to make sure it was clear. And if 
there was any misunderstanding, this was the time to find out, right? Before mm-hmm. you sign your life away, uh, so to speak. That's good. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you how it turned out later. I'm still married. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so let's just start out. Um, I know many people take issue with some of the words in these passages, Beulah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it seems that women, uh, or it's been said that the scriptures put women in second place and it belittles their role. Um, I'm going to tell you that the scriptures tell you the exact opposite of that. There is no second, God doesn't love men more than women. Um, and actually, I believe that women have a more powerful position than the man uh, in many ways. So uh, with that, let's uh, let's get into the very first one. Uh, verse 22, wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. What does that mean to you, Beulah? It is a place of humility, first and foremost. Because um, you see, back in the garden, from the beginning, when God made man and woman, he made them both um, together. And woman was a helpmeet, not a slave, but a helpmeet, which means someone who walks alongside um, your partner. So it's not one above the other. It is a partnership. And the way that God made man is different from the way that he made a woman. He made man from the soil, from the ground, from a mold with his hands. But he made a woman by taking from the rib of the man that he had made. So that alone is a reflection that he made both, but both have different position, not, not, I won't say position, but different function, different strengths. And that is how God designed because man cannot, fun, fun, cannot function alone by himself. And he has made men and women to co-function, co-dependency, co-exist together. So it's not a I lord over you and you are slave under me. No, it is a partnership together. But for this partnership to work, um, there has to be an understanding of a preferential um, for one another. Husbands love your wife. When you love, you don't always take everything for yourself. Love is giving. So when you love your wife, you give unto her. Women subject yourselves to husband and you prefer your husband um, above yourself. That is the position of humility, preferring one for another above the other. And so this is how I understand subject. So it's not my way, the way. It is our way in the Lord. And it's a partnership. We're all part of the body of Christ. And just as Christ is the head of the body on earth, he gave us instruction because this is how things work. So there has to be a head of the body in the flesh, and that 
is he's designed that to be the man. Mm-hmm. And but it, it just relates to how his order works. Uh, when we being parts of the body, Jesus Christ is our head collectively. Yes. There is yeah. no one above him. And yes. so he has given this role to man. And what you're going to see is it's a very high calling um, for both man and woman and how it works. I, I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing the way he has ordained it. Because if you had to debate with your wife, <laughs> okay, who's going to be the final say? <laughs> you, you know, that could be heated and it would never be resolved. There has to be an understanding. Now, if you go back to the Proverbs, if a man doesn't listen to his wife, he is a fool, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, because wives are very much invested in this. So verse yeah. 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Mm-hmm. That's not some things. In everything. In everything. But don't worry, women. The great <laughs> equalizer is coming up. <laughs> yep. Right here, verse 25. Husbands... Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? That's big. What does it mean to you, Jeff? Well, Christ went to the cross. Mm -hmm. He took all responsibility for all of the sins of the world. Um, He's just asking us to do it for one person. So to have a sacrificial love. Now, that doesn't mean you need to, well, if it came down to it, I think he, any man would lay down his life for his wife. But I think in more practical terms, what this is, is it sacrificial love. It's not me first, but her first. Yes. Yes, it is also a love that comes from a willing heart. Um, that is not, um, well, the word says this, you have to submit to me, there you go. You know, and the wife will say that, no, you have to love me, you know. It's, it's not that, it is not fighting for our rights, rights. It is giving up of ourselves one for the other. Husband give up themselves, give themselves up for the wife in love. In consideration, wives subject yourself to the husband, preferring your husband unto as you as as unto the Lord. Yes, you, as you submit to the Lord and subject yourself to the Lord, do so for your husband. So it is a partnership, you know, um, of humility and love. And that's the character of, of God. That's the nature and character of God. It is reflected right here between a man and a woman, husband and a wife. And when we talk about this sacrificial love, it's really important to 
understand that the giving of oneself is this is such a hard thing to come up with this is not an easy task that jesus gave himself up and he's asking us to do that for another person but i think of what the result of it is beulah and li listen to this because i really think there's an anointing in it i don't fear death anymore now i fear a painful death as i think anyone would but death has lost its sting there's a security that I have in my faith and knowing that God is true and God is mighty and that victory has already been won. So when I think about my feelings in that security that I have, knowing that I'm saved and nothing that can happen to me in this world will take away what I have in eternity with the Lord. Bringing this down into our flesh suits, mm -hmm. Women, I think one of the core parts of a woman's nature is a woman wants security, and a man is supposed to provide that. In a marriage, if a woman feels that her husband is sacrificial and will do anything for her, would that make a woman feel secure and feel loved? I suppose, but... It can never be fully filled, you know, because um, what the husband can provide or give to the wife is on the soul level. And but there is a spiritual level and um, that can only be met in the Lord. And so for cases where, you know, a couple is struggling in the soul, such struggling in their flesh because um, maybe the the love tank is um, not filled to the full in the Lord. Then what happens? So when there is a situation like that, that's not the end of the story, because there is a spiritual tank, and we can get that from our Lord, the groom, and we can get that from the Father. So. Um, it's important that we all know to be patient um, and bear each other's weaknesses, bear up each other's weaknesses. And uh, when we stand in a position, I don't know why I'm going in this direction, but when we stand in the, in the position that um, this is expected of you, you have to meet your expected, uh, expected uh, role, you know, it's better to receive or it's better for something to be given motivated by love than um, something you have to fulfill because it is expected of you. There is two entirely different oh, yeah. um, spectrum. Whereas love covers a multitude of faults, of errors, of weaknesses. Love is bearing up. Love is forgiving. Love does not seek um, of our own. It seeks for the betterment of the other. Love is always giving. So between a, 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 a husband and a wife who are imperfect in their ways, 
the best position to be, the best place to be, is to be in the love of God. And there, uh, the things that you are lacking in your soul or, the, or, the, or that you have not come to maturity of, the love of God will cover and enable you in those parts. Well, so the next verses actually prove exactly what you just said, because the spiritual component, if everything is first spiritual, and I, I think I've proved that hundreds of times on this podcast, and then it, met, and then it becomes created on earth, but the spiritual component has to come first and verse 26 so that he may sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word mm-hmm. so in other words man cannot do it properly without christ that's right that's right and same for 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 women um, if we struggle um, because of disagreement of ideas and viewpoints, um, if we struggle with um, subjecting ourselves to the final decision of the husband, uh, we can surrender that, that struggle to the Lord and allow him to um, give us the grace of humility, his kind of humility. And, you know, Hebrews says, the Lord Jesus says that I am your high priest. You can always come to me um, to cry for help and ask for help in a time of your need, any kind of need. So if we have a need um, that we want to follow and obey the word of God, but we are struggling in our flesh and in our soul, then we can go to the Lord Jesus who has walked the ultimate humility on earth. Mm. And because he has... He has the power and the grace to give us his kind of humility. We have not because we did not ask. So we can ask. Say, Lord, I desire to follow your will. I desire to obey your word, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Help me, Lord. And he will give us a strength of grace to die to the self, die to the part of us that wants to uphold a certain position. Me, me, me. When, when the grace of God comes and enables us to lay down ourselves and humble ourselves, we will find that to obey verse 22 is easy because of the grace. It is. And, and I really think that it's, the Lord is putting the burden on the man much more than the woman here because even saying that sanctifying her by the washing of water with the word, that he, speaking of the husband, may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she would be holy and blameless. So I want what the way I'm reading that is the burden is not on the woman to be holy and blameless. The burden is on the husband to have that spiritual authority to to pray for his wife, to read the word of God with his wife, and to practice the faith and obedience to Christ first and with the wife. That is leadership. Yes, because that's the position of the head of the house. And and with that, you know, if the man has the final decision, 
you have two choices. Well, first of all, you could be just in agreement with your wife and you consult your wife and then you make the final decision. And if things go good, they go good. If they go bad, well, the onus is on the man because the man made the final decision. But at least, you know, I listen, I listen to my wife and we kind of we both agreed this would be the way to go and it didn't work out. However, if a man consults his wife and she says, listen, we really need to do this. I feel strongly about it. And the man says, nope, we're doing it this way. She submits and says, okay. And when things go bad, and if they do, man, you're going to feel that for years. <laughs> <laughs> Women yeah. are not hysterical. They're historical. I've said that over and over because that's my experience. <laughs> because women, we, um, we tend to be more subjective in our nature. And men are more objective. So for women, that's why we tend to be a bit more emotional in that aspect. But that is the way God has made us to be. That's why we are nurturing. It comes from that subjected nature. We are nurturing and it's required because that's what mothers do. That's required in the role of motherhood. So fatherhood and motherhood are different, but both are needed in order for the child to be balanced, to grow up balanced. So, yeah, so God in all his wisdom and in all his way of righteousness, his way of being and doing right. I mean, he created creation. He created existence. And in all his wisdom, he holds everything together. So when he made man and woman together, the strength and the and and the differences in everything. If every if if we are in the place of love, we will find that all these differences complement each other yes. to a perfect picture. Because we think completely different as men and women. Like, you couldn't be further apart. Uh, yes. Men, we. We have no idea. Women are so complex. Men, at least from a man perspective, we're simple. Now, my wife will say completely different about me in particular. Uh, but men are really quite simple um, in our directives and yes. uh, how we think. But women are very much more complex. And yeah, the, the way that we feel... Uh, what we need from each other is completely different. It it really is. And, you know, I, I think the very last line of this particular chapter uh, really tells women what men need most. And, and in this, I, I think, you know, probably the highest calling in this is that sacrificial love that we just mentioned. Um, that is such a hard, such a high calling. Let's go to verse 28. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. I'll just continue. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and uh, cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Again, here's the comparison to Christ, who really is our example, uh, men and women, but particularly in this, it's to men. So how does a man love 
his wife as his own body. Tell us, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you think I got all this stuff figured out? <laughs> uh, actually, I, I'm going to tell you in my uh, in my conclusion. <laughs> to to love your wife as your own body. Well, I've always said that, you know, I think personally my flesh has been a greater adversary than uh, than any spiritual principalities. And to be able to cut off the flesh and put God first has been one of the things I've worked hardest on in the in, for many years. And I think it's even easier for me to cut off the flesh uh, and the desires of my flesh in worship of God than it is for my wife. Um, this is a confession, but it, it's just it's just true. Um, whereas I could, if I was able, and I am able, uh, just not consistently, to put my earthly desires aside. You know, my, my wife wants to go on a picnic. I want to go on a motorcycle ride. You know, the motorcycle ride is going to win a lot of the time. Um, maybe I should go on the picnic. And, you know, that's a, probably a poor example. But it would be putting off the things, the desires of my flesh to do the things that honor my wife. But I also think, Jeff, that um, maybe the way that you express love is unique to yourself. It might be different from the way that your wife expresses love. So, for example, um, maybe your your love language is not so much of um, X, you know, doing X for your wife. Maybe your love language is communication, words, you know, and and that you are able to express and give of your your love for her through those, for example, through words. So there is also an element of um, differences of receiving love and understanding love. So that also comes into play, I feel. Have you ever asked your husband what is the most important way that you can express love to him? Yes, I did once. And for his um, love language is um, touch and X, you know, doing things as mm. a way of expression. That's his love language. My love language is in words, in communication, affirmation. So completely different. We are completely different in this aspect. But then in preferring one for another, um, we can, you know, feel that, um, can I say tank? We can feel that and, and minister love for the other person. Uh, not so much as the way that we know, but for, for the other person, the way the other person can receive. And that also is walking in love when you lay down yourself and be how the other person can receive. That is a ministry of love. Isn't that the way in how it works in the body of Christ too? Yeah, it, it's true. And, you know, 
I would have never guessed what my wife's answer would have been uh, on that. And I have asked her. And for my wife, it's doing the little things that she never asked for. The little things. Uh, it's She isn't a spoken word person. She's more of a deeds, uh, me serving and just thinking of the things that might, you know, being thoughtful and since finding that out a number of years ago, I can tell you I've probably improved by about 15%. But <laughs> <laughs> going from zero to 15% is maybe not a good track record. And yeah, going, these uh, scriptures are so valuable to me because I'm going to, I'm going to at least double it <laughs> after today. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm still um, a work in progress in that aspect because it is different from what um, I know what I am. But, you know, when you're in partnership, it's not about yourself anymore. And the more that you, uh, the more that we serve one another as we serve the Lord. You see, everything in partnership, in relationship, the center fold is always the Lord. The foundation is always our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we do it his way, and when we obey according to his way, there is always a guaranteed success because obedience to the Lord is success. That is how, <laughs> how Lord Jesus, that yeah. is how he, he lived his life on earth. He had 100% success in everything that he did because he was 100% obedient. He submits himself to the Father, and Jesus yes. is equally God. He is yes. equally God to the Father, but yet he stands in subjectiveness. Yes. So, so you know, yeah. the wife subjects herself to the husband. The husband subjects himself to Christ. The wife subjects herself to Christ as well, obviously. But in doing so, she subjects herself to her husband. The man must subject himself to Christ and, and then ultimately to the Father. You know, Jeff, I'm just reminded, um, I read this testimony or this story like a long, long time ago. So my details may not be so um, precise, but the gist of it is this, you know, um, what's his name? Smith Wilgersworth? Yep. His wife, his wife was first, uh, she, she was saved and loving the Lord first before the husband. When they were married, he was not saved. He was quite a rough person. And his wife was the one that was always, that loves the Lord, serves the Lord, uh, serves the, the body in ministry, in, in, you know, serving herself in ministry in the church. And yet at the same time, being a wife at home and a husband. And there were times where, where Smith would not be very nice to her because she, in order for her to go to church and attend a service, she has to fulfill everything, all her duties at home before she could leave, she could go. And so she had to do it that uh, like that. And But there was one time, I think it was during winter, when she came home a little late or something. But anyway, when she came home, Smith had locked the door of the house and refused to let her in. Wow. And so she spent the night out in the snow, in the cold overnight. And the next morning when Smith came to open the door, and when she saw him, she did not do what most of us, or at least for me, would do. No, scold the husband. No. All she did was 
can I make you breakfast or what breakfast would you like? Something to the extent. Wow. Yes. When he opened the door, the first thing that she asked was, how can I serve you? And so she did her duties. And, and that was how the testimony went. And in the end, when she passed on, she passed on first. After she passed on, and then that's when Smith Wigglesworth came to the Lord and became the man that he was in him. Wow, what a testimony. Are yeah, you listening, the, women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always remembered that story because it was such a, a moment of grace and power. And because she was obedient, God honored her. Oh, that's life-changing. The legacy, you know, spoke for itself. It's the legacy. And and so when when I read something like that, I, I heard this testimony at the time when I was struggling a lot. Uh, and and that was a it anchored, it had an anchor in my soul and enables me with the grace to move on forward. So there is hope, sisters. Wow, you know what? That that is such a powerful story. And uh and and men, you can learn from that too. That's uh, I think it could be going that could go either way. Um, how can you serve your wife as well? Um, verse thirty, because we are all parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That this is such a beautiful thing, and uh, I think I have some revelation on it, but I'm, I'm curious of what that what becoming one flesh means to you. For me, it's like the strength and weakness of each other come into a perfect blend, a full, complete picture. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's spot on, and uh, you know, obviously, two become one flesh. It'd be easy to say, "Well, that's love, baby." Right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know what I see when I when I read this? We are parts of the body, and you know, um, obviously, you can just name off someone's a someone's a foot, someone's a leg, someone's this, someone's that. But I think when a man and a woman get married, you're unified and you're one part of the body. That's what it, it is, says to me. Yeah, it is no longer me, I. It is no longer a separate thing. It is oneness. Yeah. It's no longer me, myself, and I. So it's not, um, we, we cannot or we shouldn't have the viewpoint as in this is my thought, this is my uh, way of doing things, this is me, 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 me. We, we have to let that go. I mean, let that pass, let it fall. It is now a new journey, a new life, a new growth, a new maturity, in a, a higher measure and standard of walking in love. Yeah, it's, by the way, that's for singles as well. Um, 
you know, you got to lay down your life just as, uh, as Jesus did. And we're called to serve and life is just much better. It does. It doesn't matter. Like it, it does matter. We want, we want to have provision, but wealth will not bring you happiness. You know, um, I know a lot of people will argue that and say it will bring you happiness, uh, but not true happiness. I think I think wealth, when accumulated properly and stewarded properly, can afford you to be able to do life a little bit more uh, the way you're intended to do it and not struggle. But the happiest people that I've met in this world have nothing, almost, you know, um, so it is really about the humility and the service. And 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 have you noticed poor people are usually more generous than than wealthy people? You know, um, it's just laying down your life and wanting to serve humanity. <clears throat> so then it goes on. <clears throat> this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband and i'll tell you women i don't think there's anything more important to a man than to be respected we can respect and we can esteem our husband the way we esteem the lord mm. We can look upon, if your husband is saved, we can look upon our husband in the Lord. See the Lord in, the, in our husband. See, look at him the way Jesus looks at him. It's easier said than done, for sure. But when we can see the Lord and we choose to see the Lord, it's easier because we are not, um, it helps us when we can see the Lord, when we are eyes, our eyes are fixed on him, the, the, the heart to obey will follow because we are seeing him, we are beholding him. So if your husband is saved, in, uh, a brother in the Lord, and in the times of his weakness, the sisters can look upon him, look upon their husband as look at, the Lord that is inside of him and submit and subject yourself to that. If that makes sense. It does, but I'm going to disagree with you. Mm -hmm. um, saved or unsaved, a man needs respect and just as you were saying that i just pulled up the definition of respect a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities qualities or achievements and even if your husband is a is a buffoon ladies um if you're unequally yoked well that was your mistake going into marriage <laughs> yeah but you know you shouldn't do that um, but many have, um, and we pray for your husbands or your wives who are unsaved. But respect, if women, if you want to know what's important to a man, I'm telling you, this is what it is. Not just this man, every man. 
needs to feel respect where, um, you know, even if a man, you know, not good at sports, not good at this, not good at that, not good at this, but there's something and women, I'm telling you, if you want to protect your marriages, respect your man and men, you have to love your own wife even greater than yourself. And strength comes from the Lord, our yeah. source. Well, for us it does, but, you know, there's some people who listen to this that are unsaved as well. And, you know, these are the things that you can do even without Christ. Um, you can attempt to do them. But I think overall, if I was going to give a conclusion on this chapter, and I, you know, I have a decent marriage. It's not perfect. Certainly it's not perfect um, because we're not perfect. And I look at these things, the calling that God has on my life and my role in marriage, and I fail miserably. But the thing is, all of these things cannot really be done without putting Christ first. And do we always react by saying, well, hold on, I, I know you just said something that really hurt me, but... Let me go to the Lord and just talk to him for a few minutes. I'm going to come back. No, a lot of time you'll just, what? <laughs> you know, or you, you, we react. Yeah. And, you know, we really do need to learn to communicate through Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> in all things and, and be patient with each other. And, and if you're married, um, the definition of patience is very applicable because it means long suffering. <laughs> it doesn't mean full of joy. No, you need to be patient. There's there's some long suffering in just about any marriage, and it might only be for a period of time, but I think every marriage goes through these times. Yes, because it is a, um, what's that word? It is training up our character in in meeting up with differences and uh, learning how to bear in love it's all all part of character building and the more we learn to overcome the more we learn to uh, lay down ourselves then we will realize the growth that all these things carry us through and it's not just in marriage it is in any relationship yeah. In any relationship, like these things apply, uh, you know, if these things work within the confines of a marriage, why wouldn't it work with your friend? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Um, Beulah, there was one comment and I'm, and I'm familiar with the story. I'm not going to list the person's name on here. Um, but I think we could prayerfully uh, try to help here. Uh, there's one person in the chat and, uh, this person has, and it, she's seeking after the Lord, and it sounds like she has a very abusive husband. Um, I won't go into any details, but how, from a woman's point of view, how can we, and, and using God as our instructor, what advice would you give to a woman who lives with a, a man who just completely berates her and, and is very 
abusive. Verbally, psychologically abusive, or physically abusive? Let's stick with the verbally uh, and psychologically. Okay. The first and foremost thing, the sister, she has to and she needs to find her security in the Lord first. She needs to root and ground herself in the love of the Lord first. She needs to be established. She needs the word of God to be established in her heart, in her mind, and in her soul. Not established in the head knowledge as what we know by memory, but it has to be established by experience, experiencing the reality of the word. That is very, very important mm -hmm. because the word of God that is in our spirit will leave out the strength through those hard times. In a uh, verbally abusive uh, environment it is a power of words right and so which cut deeper than any weapon yes and there's words of life and words of death now so in order to nullify the words of death we need to have the words of life first oh yeah so that when the words of death comes over the words of life will raise up a standard in you and this is something that has to be done through a lot of prayer with the lord being in the lord and if it helps fast and pray because fasting and praying fasting is us laying denying our flesh so that our spirit man can be can rise up to the fore so so if it helps fast and pray so that your flesh is subjected subdued and your spirit man can arise you need to be in an environment with a lot of support especially the word of god feast your ears feast your eyes and your ears this you, you have to do it in order for the word of death to be nullified to have no power over you until the point where those words come to you, they can fly just over your head without entering into your heart. And when you are strong in a word of life, even in a circumstance where the, the spouse or the person is influenced by perhaps spiritual forces that inspires him or causes his flesh to react and produce those words of death, your spirit in you can nullify that by releasing the words of life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and my words are life. So the foremost thing is she has to anchor herself. That is the most important thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I promised you wisdom would make an appearance here today. And I have fulfilled my promise to you <laughs> with Beulah. Beulah, nice that was that was really awesome. And uh, just before we close, uh, I want to give a word of wisdom. I'm not mentioning your name on air, um, but you know who you are in the chat. And uh, I agree with what 
Beulah said wholeheartedly. And, you know, I, the tagline right here on the screen says, uh, John 8.32, the truth will set you free. Well, the truth is the word of God, and the word of God will set you free if you obey the word of God. And, and I don't know your situation. I can't put myself in your boots, but I just understand what you've written uh, recently and some of the things that are out there. And I just think of Beulah's example with Smith, with Wigglesworth's wife. You know, what a change in attitude. Um, can I make you breakfast or whatever it is? Um, that was a real humility and a subjection. And even if the person is not worthy of your respect because of their attitude, the Bible says that if you're married, you should respect that person. Can you become that biblical wife laying down and even in the torment be obedient to God's word and show respect for your husband? That's the opposite of what the world would do. And I think that's the point. So I would ask you to consider it. And uh, Beulah, if you're, by the way, uh, for those, most of you know, Beulah uh, is the head of our Sing and Poor uh, prayer celebration every Saturday night and uh, at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Telegram on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on Telegram. And I really encourage you to uh, to join us on the Sing and Poor and, uh, and Beulah, we're going to be doing Singing Poor a little bit differently in one or two weeks. That's right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're going to be making an announcement. And uh, I think you're going to, yeah, we'll, we hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to be doing something very bold, in my opinion. And, uh, and you'll want to tune in for it. Uh, could you close us in prayer and just also pray for this uh this woman in this Absolutely. difficult situation and then uh as soon as Beulah is done we'll uh we'll say goodbye but if, if you in the audience please pray along with this please agree in prayer and let's uh let's be let's honor God's word and show the power of prayer and the power of our God and let's get an amazing testimony in this woman's life. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for the grace of your kindness and your mercy and your wisdom. Many times, Lord, your word and your instructions, they do not make sense to our understanding and to our level of our soul. But God, your wisdom is far and beyond it exceeds, there is no end. For by your wisdom, you frame the world into existence. By your wisdom, Lord, you frame creation. You created creation, Lord, all by your wisdom. And I thank you, God, that this wisdom of God is made real to us and for us because of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, Lord. Lord. That Jesus himself become 
the wisdom of God for us. And now we have this wisdom of God because of Jesus who now resides in our heart and in our lives. Help us, Lord, to align ourselves with your wisdom and with your understanding. Breathe upon your words of instruction by your Holy Spirit. Because, Father, Lord, your words of God are spirit and they are life. So in the words, in the, in the printed text that we read, Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to breathe life and spirit into those words that we read, that so that when as our eyes read upon them, Lord, the, the life will come forth into our understanding. For that is the rhema word of God, the living, breathing word of God. And we need that, Lord. We need that because that is the, the, the element, Father, of your word that produces character, that produces fruits, that produces and nourishes our spirit man. So, Lord, I lift up my sister who is struggling, Father, in her, in her circumstance and in her marriage. Father, I lift up this relationship unto your throne of grace, Lord Jesus. You who have lived humanity, you have endured and you have, you have um, experienced humanity as a man on earth, but yet in your, your perfect and full, complete obedience, you did not choose to sin. So that, Lord, we can come to you and call to you, for help in our time of need and our weakness. Not just for our sister, Lord, but also for all our sisters, Father, for all the women who are struggling in a similar manner um, in their circumstances, God, who, who can relate with this, um, this situation. Lord, you are our hope. You are our strength. You are our grace. You are everything that we need. Your word says in Ephesians chapter 1, Lord, that you have given us all spiritual blessings yeah. in the heavenly places in Christ. It is in you, my Lord, that we have, Lord, the access to all spiritual blessings. And this in, uh, includes, Lord, spiritual grace of love, spiritual strength, spiritual um character, Lord, the long-suffering, the endurance, the patience, everything that we need, we have them in you. And you made it all possible for us by your spirit. So I ask, Lord, that as my sister is hearing these words, that, Lord, you impart to her now in the name of Jesus, the grace of mercy, strength, and love, Lord, into her soul right now and, and strengthen her spirit, strengthen her in your grace, Lord Jesus. That, Father, that she can come to you and completely and totally rely on you for all that she needs. Healing, restoration, understanding, patience, Lord and grace of endurance. For all these things, Lord, in you will produce godly character. It will mold us to become more like you, Lord Jesus. These are the tools, Father, on earth 
that we can train to overcome. I pray, Lord, that you encourage my dear sister and all the women, Father, that are in the same position in the name of Jesus. Give to them, Lord, your revelation word, your rhema word of life and of spirit, that God, that they can hold on, Lord, because that word produces hope. It produces hope, Lord, and it brings the hope of the future into our present moment. I pray, God, that you increase her understanding. Help her, Lord, to see the way that you see, not in the way that we see and in our understanding, which is limited, which is behind walls and barriers, but to see in you the way that you see, Lord, in your perspective, because you look from the place of hope, you look from the place of faith, you look from a place, Father, of a future reality. So I pray, Lord, that you encourage my sister, that, Lord, we all have hope in you, hope of grace in you. So strengthen her, strengthen her hands, strengthen her knees, strengthen her soul, strengthen her heart, and fill her, Lord, with your light, with your fire, and with your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Cause her, Father, to walk on your path of your righteousness, your way of doing and being right. You are all, Lord. You are all that we need, and everything that we need is in you. So I thank you, Lord, that my sister is in your hands. I thank you, Lord, that she will come to the place of understanding as she walks with you and in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And just adding on to that, as you were praying, Beulah, I really just got a sense of a word. And I believe that the Lord will honor that prayer and everything said in it. But first, we must make the individual choice. So in all things, choose to serve Christ first. Amen. And as you choose, that gives him the ability because he's a gentleman he won't force himself on you you must choose to serve him in all things and then all the things that were mentioned in those prayers that prayer i believe will come to fruition and could come a lot faster than you think because our god is a lot more mighty than you think uh beulah what an absolute delight to have you here with me today uh, I want to thank you. And for those of you who are on Telegram and other social media platforms, it, it, she goes by Watching Wall. So when you see that name, you'll know it is this beautiful young lady who loves God. Thank you, Jeff. That's kind. And uh, in the meantime, I'll see you on Tuesday. But remember to love your God. Love your family. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your husbands and love your wives, ladies and gentlemen. 
And by doing that, the two of you becoming one flesh can make a difference in your community.